Hi everybody and welcome to episode 22 of the GA and Gym podcast. My name is Ashin Quinn and I am your host for this year. Um, I hope we're all doing well and surviving lockdown okay. Um, staying safe, staying inside. Um, so I've got some more podcasts for you to listen to while you're you're going through lockdown and keep you entertained but also give you some information. Um, today in the podcast we had... Um, kind of hard to you know how to describe this man. I don't know whether to describe him as a social media influencer or a, an athlete, an ultra runner. Um, he's probably got a few titles, but um, I think one thing I really learned was that he was um, a really nice guy and provided a lot of information for GEA players, particularly around um, you know what they tried to get into was about losing body fat and about maybe hitting some goals in terms of how you want to look um, as well as performance. Um, so today in the podcast we have Brian Keane. Brian Keane, I'm sure you all know, is, um, is huge on Instagram. He's also been doing a lot of TikToks at the minute, um, but also very, very knowledgeable and um, also a great athlete too. He's done some crazy Ultraman runs and, and shit like that there. So we talked a bit about that, but we really went into the nutrition side of GA and, and Brian knows a lot about this. Um, and I think sometimes maybe from Brian's push, maybe don't, you maybe don't realise that, but um, very, very knowledgeable and I was impressed just sitting talking to him and hearing his story. Um, so I think it's a really interesting one and good for anybody out there looking about um, maybe changing your body composition um, but still trying to maintain performance for GEA. This was recorded before all coronavirus happened so if you're on the mic we didn't talk about that it's it's because of that there. Um, look I hope you enjoy this here Um, there will be probably no YouTube video to accompany this here because we just done it via, via Skype but anyway I hope you enjoy it and um, please share it around and um, let me know if you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, put it up in your story. Give me some feedback. But yeah, without further ado, Brian Keane, episode 22 of the GA and Gym podcast. Oh. Done. Okay, Brian, good to have you on the podcast. Mate, I am absolutely delighted. We've been trying to organize this for ages, Lachine, so I am really, really looking forward to chatting. And thank you so much for having me on. Not a problem. It's been a long time coming. It's, uh, it's funny, I was saying to you beforehand, I remember whenever I put up my first couple of uh, posts on Instagram, I think you liked a few of them, and I was like, I was buzzing with this. And uh, now we're sitting here having a conversation. So it's it's funny how uh, how things work out, isn't it? That's how it starts, though. And that's what I love I seeing. We were saying that briefly before we went on air, that like I, I love seeing people like you putting out content to serve. Because like, like the GA community, Strength and Conditioning, like it's quite a tight-knit group, and it's a, quite an underserved community. So as soon yeah. as I saw you putting out content on that, I'm like, yes! I'm like, that's amazing! I'm like, yeah, let's have more of this. I'm like, because it just helps. Like the more people putting out content that are, is going to help GA players and help sports-specific athletes, it's like the better, because you can kind of pick and choose what's going to be the most applicable for each person, and it's going to move the whole sport forward in a small way by you know people doing it and coaches putting out that message. So a massive thank you from me as a GA supporter for putting that content out there, um, because I love seeing it. It's much appreciated, but the other thing you find as well, like, and you probably find it that there's so much information but so much misinformation out there that ga players like they really need more just like just concrete uh suggestions and things to do rather you know people i'm sure you get messages that message you about 10 different things for weight loss for getting stronger but you know it's just trying to put something solid out there for players that they can follow and not hurt themselves or mess themselves up yeah, and that's the thing. Like, as you said, there's a lot of misinformation. It's why when you're kind of cutting through the noise and being very aware of who you're taking the advice from, you know, I think that's a very important message that if you're, you know, following you, or if you're following me or you're following someone with a strength and conditioning background or sports nutrition background, it's like, okay, well, this person clearly has enough about them qualification wise that they know what they're talking about now let's try what they're saying and see if it's applicable to me like one yeah. of the things that i generally advise ga players that are following me i'm like i come at it from kind of a body composition angle i'm like i'm going to tell you how to get stronger how to get faster because strength and conditioning sports nutrition is my background but i'm also going to tell you how to build muscle and lose body fat i'm like that's my specialty it's what i enjoy working with on athletes and i normally tell my ga players who are like look i don't care about building muscle i don't care about getting abs i don't care about getting leaner i'm like yeah you, you probably don't need to follow the kind of stuff i'm putting out i'm like i would just go follow people that are putting out straight strength and conditioning work because that's what you need so it's very much a case of um i think empowering each person to understand what it is they're looking for and then they can go find coaches or content online that will help them get them to their end goals faster yeah definitely and um there's definitely more people popping up around that and i think that's 
I'm sure like you find that and I find that in that like whenever you nearly target like a, a niche or a specific thing, you get a lot more success. Or I think a lot of people come on and try and solve everybody's problems and issues and you end up doing nothing like. Um but there's so many people now, like I try not to go too deep into nutrition because it's not my it's not really my lane. I try and stay strength conditioned, kinda of like you're saying. I think you see that more and you nearly have a wee bit more credibility, do you think? Or yeah, no, 100%. I think uh, being very clear as a trainer and as a coach on who it is you're trying to help and who it is you're trying to serve is is the game. Like, I think that's the number one thing. And I'm. it's funny because I get a lot of crap from strength and conditioning coaches who are like, you don't need to have a six-pack to play amazing. I'm like, yeah, I agree. I was like, I totally agree. <laughs> like, I was like, you don't. Um, yeah. I was like, but I was like, I'm working and talking to the players who do want to look better as well as improving performance. Like, if you want to talk just performance, we can do that and we can have that discussion um, because you get that pushback. And it's weird. That's one of the things that I always, I won't say struggled with, but always had a bit of a, a curiosity about where strength and conditioning coaches, because we're so, we're, we're like a sub-niche within a sub-niche. Like, we're strength and conditioning coaches, which is like a, a niche within fitness, and then we're GEA-specific, which is another niche within a niche. I'm like, yeah. oh, why are we getting on each other's backs? I'm like, literally, the more people that are qualified putting out good content, people are going to gravitate towards what's more applicable to them. Like, as you said, you put out great stuff around strength and conditioning. It's like, if you're looking for strength and conditioning program or coaching or content, I'm like, yeah, follow Ushin stuff. It's all there. You know, whereas I'll take more of a nutrition aspect from it because that's my background as well. And it's also my interest. So if you're looking to get leaner and improve performance, then obviously my stuff is going to be very helpful. And then there's going to be, you know, several other coaches out there who have variations of that. So I think the more people doing it, the better. And... Yeah, again, maybe I, I've always I've I always had that curiosity around strength and conditioning where I'm like, let's people just put out their message. If you're qualified to speak on a topic or you're a sports nutritionist, I'm like, put it out there. I'm like, because yeah. people will gravitate towards you. And as a coach, being very clear in who you're speaking, that's business 101. Like being very clear in who you're speaking to. You know, if you're trying to help everybody, you end up helping nobody. Yeah. And like, I think that's the people that do well in business and business overlaps with like massive levels of fulfillment. Like, you know, this Oshin, when you're working with people, particularly GA athletes, because it's, you know, GA is one of those sports that, and I've lived all over the world. Well, I lived, I haven't, that's not true. I've lived in the U S and I've lived in the UK. <laughs> I've traveled all over the world, but yeah. I used to live in the U S and I used to live in the UK and you know, you see NFL, you see NBA. And I used to work with a lot of soccer players and rugby players when I worked in the UK. And it's like, they're professional sports. I'm like, they're people who are like, underage 17 18 year olds are like we could make a living out of this where that's not the case with GEA I'm like everybody that follows it or plays it is doing it for passion you know like I've worked with some inter-county players you know some really well-known ones more that are friends now at this stage and I just kind of consult with them and I'm like they're literally preparing like professional athletes and they're working full-time jobs I'm like they're it's, it's a passion thing that people have the fans the people that play I'm like People that are doing it are passionate about it. So understanding that, I don't know what even brought me onto that tangent, understanding that that's what people are coming into with it. It's, it's very much a case of if you're the coach, who are you serving? You're serving passionate people who love their sport. How can you best help them? It'll make you feel super fulfilled as a coach because you know exactly how you're going to help them with their nutrition or with their coaching or with their strength and conditioning. And you feel fulfilled with that and you end up building a bigger business or building a bigger brand and you get to do what you love and can't believe you get paid for it. And you get to improve the quality lives of players, improve their performance. They end up performing better, they feel more confident, they love what they're doing, and the sport rises with it. Like, it's a win-win-win all around if we can kind of get all of that aligned. So I think that's something that's always worth considering. That's why I love chatting to people like you, Oshin, because, like, it's just clearly, it's very clear that that's what you're doing. Um, yeah. And I think it's something similar that I, at least maybe maybe that's not what people think I'm doing, but that's what I hope people think I'm doing. Um, and I, I connect to people who are doing something similar. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think it's, um, you know whenever you start to put out the stuff and you obviously put out a lot of stuff me and yourself and you kind of you do maybe at times wonder like what, what am i putting this out for and you're just putting it out because you know there might be that one person that maybe needs it and then you maybe get that message from one person that says hey this stuff's brilliant it's really helped me and you know you kind of realize that's what you're doing and i think when you do it with not the expectation of i'm doing this to like trying to get myself bigger i'm trying to grow this brand you know, if you don't do it with that and you just do it, I'm just putting it up to try and help someone, 
the brand and everything else kind of grows with it, which is which is funny. But when you intentionally try to do it, it doesn't work like, um, which is a strange kind of concept of it. But um, I think uh, I think what you were chatting about with strength and conditioning coaches was was quite um, quite topical because I've had this conversation now like two or three times with different coaches in that strength and condition, and particular probably GA as well. There's a, a wild arrogance with coaches in that it's their way or the highway and it can only be done this way or that way and you know you'll either get people messaging you i'm sure you get a lot too of like you shouldn't do it like this it should be done like this people will just look for holes and things and um i think maybe trying to sort of open up people and players minds that there's different ways to do things and try and just give the right structures and principles is, is so important but so many coaches are more interested in and knocking down other people's ideas and actually helping. Yeah, I and I've had those conversations. Like I've literally had those DMs of people. I've had those. I won't even call them arguments because I think you need to engage in it for it to be an argument. Um, because I'm very like open to particularly my, to to use my strategy as an example. As I said, like my GA Lean Body Program, which is 100% based on improving strength, performance, speed, etc., but with the body composition element. Like everyone outside of that bracket. I either tell not to come through the program or I tell them to go to another coach. So if somebody comes Mm -hmm. to me and goes, look, I don't care about body composition. I just want to get stronger, fitter and faster for hurling or football or ladies football or camogie, etc. I'm like, look, you shouldn't come through the program. I'm like, it's not a good fit for you. I'm like, there's too much of a body composition element. You will get better results with another coach. The same way as if someone comes to me and goes, look, I play a little bit of football. I play a little bit of hurling. I don't care about my performance. I just want to look better. I'm like, yeah, you probably don't need my program either. Like you were going to get better results going to a trainer or a coach who will just prioritize body composition so by proxy and i got lucky you know we talked about this briefly before i went on air like i got really lucky with that program in terms of the creation because it was very much a case of opportunity just look and opportunity you know opportunity meeting the prepared mind being very lucky in the traditional sense that i had grown a snapchat following i had played i played ga all my life up until the age of 26 i played ga played club played underage county like i'd done that it was my life like i, I was the typical guy head like that was my up until 22 23 i literally lived and bre- breathed it until i got my first job and then by 26 i left ga and i went into the world of fitness modeling and bodybuilding so i had played ga since the age of six so i was about 20 years playing and then i went on into the world of bodybuilding and went on to become a professional fitness model travel the world doing that so i had the body composition element so i had a little bit of authority on both of those sides one was from having played played and having a background in strength and conditioning and sports nutrition and the other was having been a professional fitness model traveling the world and somebody on snapchat just asked me they're like look i play ga i play football can you do you have a program or do you work with people who are looking to get faster and fitter and stronger for ga but also want to build muscle and get a six-pack so i literally put up on my snapchat going no i don't have any program like that but if you want i will create it and that's i was like if you think this is something you're interested in screenshot the next post a lot of people screenshotted it. I had a pretty big Snapchat at the time. So all my snaps were getting 15, 20,000 views a snap. And I had people email me. So I pre-sold the program. I, I literally told them, this was in 2015, 2015, I mean, late 15, early 2016. Somebody, they messaged and I emailed them. And I was like, look, I haven't created this program. It does not exist. But... If you want, I will pre-sell it to you and I will create it. So I was like, all right, cool. If I, you know, if 10 people sign up, amazing. I'll get to help 10 players. I'll make a little bit of money out of it and it'll be worth it. And I created that program, sold, I think it was 10 copies off the bat straight away. And then it just kept selling. And just, I kept getting more players coming through it. And I remember reflecting on this about six months after the program and there's different versions of the program so based on you know goal position uh, building muscle getting bigger losing body fat etc there's different versions so different nutritional strategies different training programs based on the level etc but that program i nailed nearly from the offset in terms of what was in it so it's very much a um, hypertrophy based beginning on the program so if you split it into thirds it's a hypertrophy base at the beginning of most workouts the middle element is like a strength and conditioning element and in the last play, um, third of it is very much metabolic conditioning so like muscular endurance aerobic conditioning etc like the, the workouts are built into that a little bit of a full body element with prioritization on body parts throughout so that's how I built it and I remember thinking about it Oshin when I created it I'm like this program is doing so well it's helping so many players 
And I remember thinking, my God, I am the exact avatar for this program. I remember thinking, if I was, when I was 22, like I literally lived and breathed football. Like that was literally what I did. Like I was living in London and I was flying back to play championship games at my club from London. Like and I live in the west of Galway, so that yeah, was, that's a yeah. fair commute to play a game. And I was traveling back and forth. It's what I, it's what I did. It's what I loved. But I was also big into the gym and I was big into wanting to look better for weekends. You know, I'm like, I still want to go out for sa- on Saturday night and I want to yeah. look good. You know, it was always like, it was all about the pull. I'm like, I want to pull. Like, <laughs> and it was, it was, that was it. And I remember thinking that my 22 year old me or 23 year old me would have given anything for this program. I'm like, because I didn't know the structure. Like when I would yeah. go to strength and conditioning coaches, I literally remember these conversations, Oshin. I would go to strength and conditioning coaches because I was lucky and I kind of came through that underage system in Galway. You had strength and conditioning coaches and then we were a senior club at the time when I broke into the senior team. So we had S&C coaches and I remember I would always ask them. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's how I get fitter and that's how I get stronger. I'm like, how do I get a six pack? Or yeah. I was like, how do I get my arms big? And they're like, that doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I don't know. That's not going to help you. No, that's going to put the ball over the bar. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. And every time then I would go to personal trainers who would be in my gym, I would ask them about like, well, like, how do I get a six pack? How do I build muscle? And they're like, right, you do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, look, this all sounds great. I'm like, but will this negatively affect my performance on the pitch? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, possibly. They're like, yeah. I'm telling you how to bodybuild. I'm like, I have no idea. And... I remember it, all I did was take the two worlds and merge them. Like, that's mm-hmm. literally all I did. And the reason I think that program works so well and still works so well with players to this day is because I'm serving that. I'm serving me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, you I'm literally, your own questions. Yeah, yeah I, I knew the questions. I know the problems because I'm like, that's me. I'm like, I'm literally that person that is trying to look for the best of both worlds. I'm not trying to just optimize performance and I'm not just trying to look better. I was trying to combine the two. I was literally trying to have my cake and eat it too for the lack of a better phrase. And yeah. that's why it worked. And as I said, you know, as we said, that's one of the, the, when I put content out online, that can be blasphemous to certain strength and conditioning coaches. You know, when you talk about abs and I'm like, man, I've been hearing that since I was 15. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, what I was asking as the player and like now as a 32-year-old coach, I'm like, I'm still getting it. You know, where people are like, you can't say that. I'm like, oh no, I was like, yes, I can. I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to somebody different. Like, I'm not talking to you. Um, So I think it's just a case of being very much aware that there's different players out there that want to be served in different ways and being clear like and you know I would pride myself on being honest when I don't think somebody should come through my program you know if somebody falls outside of my bracket in terms of they don't care about the composition they don't care about the the conditioning element I'm like yeah you should probably work with a different coach I'm like my program's not going to be your best fit there's better programs for you Uh, but with that and contrary to that it means that the people you do work with are perfect fits so they tend to get better results and because they get better results you know you get great tests testimonies or referrals like my GA program I'm very fortunate a lot of players coming through it's teammates of those players you know because they're like Jesus I saw what happened to John or I saw what happened to Sean yeah, I saw what yeah. happened they're like he got faster he got fitter he got stronger and he looks great and he's like yeah I'm on Brian's program and that's that's what happens um, and I think that's just being very clear as and anyone's an SNC coach being very clear on who it is you're trying to help. And if you're a GEA player, being very clear on who it is that can help you because not everybody's going to fit. You know, square pegs don't fit into round holes. If you're a square peg, go find a square hole. You know, whether that's you as the S&C coach or whether that's you as the player because there's a fit out there for everyone. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm curious to kind of, I know it's, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much into the details of your program, but, you know, just general advice. Uh, If I'm a player and... You know, maybe I am worried about body composition, and I'm I'm in game time, and I'm worried about feeling performance, and having to carb load and do all these things. You know, what's your kind of tips around that for for trying to get a six pack, but also fuel yourself properly for games? You know, very generally speaking. Yeah. So again, I it's very much about what's going to work for each individual player, but there's certain best practices that a lot of players can apply. Like straight away, if you're trying to get leaner, I'll, I'll break those into two parts because a mistake a lot of players make is one, they get their carb load wrong or incorrect, meaning that they're not going to fuel performance. And two, they don't get their calorie intake right or they don't get their overall nutrition right. And as a result, they tend to negatively impact one another. So the main thing is to understand that to get leaner, it's a combination of 
a nutritional plan that is in either out of maintenance calories or getting a deficit from your training, which is the thing is with a, as a GA player, it's actually very, very easy to get body fat down because most GA players are doing a lot of cardiovascular fitness straight away pitches yep. you know pitch sessions games etc and also mm-hmm. what i find with ga players they're they're one of the best pe- type of people to work with because they already have a strong work ethic so if, yeah. you, if you take that work ethic and just structure it with correct nutrition and a good training program they tend to get amazing results like i always find my ga players all other things equal and all other things the same get better results than people on my general fitness program because they have a work ethic already ready they just don't have the right direction yeah, you know like yeah. the, they're the motivated ana- yeah they're motivated like the analogy is like if a, lot of, if, if a GA player wants to go from Galway to Dublin or from Derry to Cork I'm like the best way to go is just go on the motorway like it's just yeah. to just drive and go straight you know but a lot of GA players trying to get from A to B will you know travel all around Ireland to get there and all you're doing as their coach is like putting them on the street and narrow and being like this is what you do with your nutrition this is what you do with your training so when it comes to nutrition to get leaner and fuel performance it's understanding that the nutrient density and the quality of your food is very important so best practices that I offer people is like make good quality nutrient dense food choices so if you can primarily base most of your nutrition again it's individual to each person but most of your nutrition around good quality complex carbohydrates sweet potatoes you know brown rice quinoa um, even normal potatoes jacket potatoes white rice white rice basmati rice if that's your preference decent quality complex carbs to a degree healthy fats so avocado olive oil nuts nut butters etc and then complete protein so chicken steak fish lamb etc like if they're the crooks with fruits and vegetables in your nutritional plan like they're a good general guide and a good general way of eating for a GA player to fuel your body like if you're giving your body everything it needs nutrient wise not only are you going to lose more body fat if you're hitting your protein requirements you're probably going to build more muscle and keep your metabolism elevated as well but you're going to fuel performance meaning you're going to feel better when your energy levels are higher you're going to perform better when your energy levels are higher and your nutrient density of your food is quite high you tend to recover better and what I find with players and I'm not sure if you're the same machine what you tend to see with players who are at the top of their game versus those that are kind of middle tier is especially at inter-county level now I work with significantly less inter-county players now just because of time commitment but what I always found with my inter-county players, with the exception of like, you know, the TJ Reeds, the David Cliffords, the, the Joe Cannings, the, 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 the freaks that are yeah. just like genetically gifted, the majority of inter-county players just tend to recover better. And because yeah. they recover better, they can train harder. And because they can train harder, they perform better. And because they perform better, they end up playing better. And that tends to compound positively over time. So getting their nutrition dialed in improves their energy levels and improves their recovery. So based on the overall nutrition around those foods can be really really helpful when it comes to a carb load then people really overcomplicate the carb load because what happens with a carbohydrate load and you you, you know i know you touch more on the strength and conditioning side is yeah. realizing that the majority of people taking into most considerations metabolism most people are going to be able to store about 400 <coughs> grams of carbohydrate and muscle glycogen like so meaning mm-hmm. that if you're getting 400 grams of carbohydrates complex carbohydrates the day before a game the morning of a game you know let's just say 500 ca- grams of carbohydrates to keep it super 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 simple now that's 500 grams of carbohydrates not 500 grams of food so you know 150 grams of sweet potatoes about 30 grams of carbs etc if you're loading up and assuming you want to be completely carb loaded to the point where there's nothing else you could do you've literally filled your tank of gas the analogy i use is like if you think of taking your car on a long journey like you don't you don't go from cork to uh, Derry, or you don't go from Galway to Dublin on an empty tank of gas. You're like, you fill up before you go. And that's what carbohydrate loading and glycogen loading is effectively what happens to an athlete before a game, is yeah. you don't want to go into a game on an empty uh, empty tank of gas. So loading up a carbohydrate, good complex carbohydrate the day before, is the, going to be the thing that keeps you fueled during the game. So like that might look something super basic. Like that might be some porridge in the morning. That might be some sweet potato at lunchtime. That might be some rice at dinner. That might be, again, again another bowl of porridge the next day or maybe even some Weetabix. It's not the best nutritional yeah. choice, but I know GA players love Weetabix, yeah. a lot of them. Like they're decent options. So you're loading up carbohydrates that way and you're going to fuel yourself coming into the game. Everything outside of that then, that's just the one-day isolation. 
what I tend to do in my program, and again, I advise people to completely experiment with this. Like I cover it on my GA podcast all the time in the nutritional episodes, on the Lean Body podcast, on like carb cycling. So cycling your carbohydrates, meaning that you're taking a different intake of carbohydrates based on different days, based on the requirement for that day. So Mm -hmm. that means that let's say you have a game on a Saturday and you want to perform at your absolute best that given day you carbohydrate low and you'll have a high carbohydrate day on say the Friday and you'll probably have a moderate to high carbohydrate day maybe on the Saturday and mm-hmm. then you plan to rest on Monday or Tuesday so you'll have a low carbohydrate day and then on Wednesday and Thursday you've got a gym session and then a pitch session you might do a moderate carbohydrate day so you're cycling your carbohydrates based on what you have that day. Your level of activity, yeah. Yeah, level of activity. And then all you do then is, and this is where it kind of gets a bit tricky, but it's actually quite simple and straightforward, but people can get caught in the weeds, is you just because you're going low carbohydrate one day doesn't mean you're going low calorie that day. So what I do in my plan, and people can do this themselves, is when your carbohydrates are low, you increase your fats to balance out your calories. So let's say, for example, you're on a 2,500 calorie plan. You're like, look, I want to lose a bit of body fat. I want to build a little bit of muscle, but I want to stay fueled, etc. I'm like, all right, awesome. Let's go. We have a 2,500 calorie plan. That means that I'm going to keep you at 2,500 calories nearly every day. Maybe we'll go over 2,400 one day, 2,600 another day, but give or take, it's going to be around 2,500 calories every day. That doesn't mean that on the low carbohydrate days, your calories go down. It means that your fats go up on those days so that you balance out your calories. You normally keep your protein pretty steady, whatever that requirement is, and then you manipulate the other two macronutrients, fat and carbohydrate, in order to balance out your calories. So on a high carbohydrate day, your fats are lower. And on a low carbohydrate day, your fats are higher. On a moderate carbohydrate day, your fats are moderate. So you're balancing out those calories, and that's going to keep your energy levels high. That's going to keep the nutrient density in your food high. That's going to make you feel better and that's going to help you like get body fat down assuming that's the right calorie plan for you and it means that you're not going to sacrifice performance trying to get leaner like what can happen with players is when they're trying to get lean and lose body fat is they start tapping into fat stores coming into games because their carbs are too low like that's literally the worst thing you can do as an athlete like I spoke about this on my GA podcast with GA players asking me about going into keto diets or high fat diets for GA I'm like you can do that but realize you're in a glycotic-based sport, meaning that yeah, you're in a sprint-based yeah. Yeah, you're in a bl- a sprint based sport. So going into something like a keto diet where you're primarily using fat as your fuel source, like you don't want all this energy source going all through your body in order to literally get your sprint so that you can get to a ball. Like you need glucose, you need glycogen, and that comes from carbohydrate. And that's why carbohydrate is so important for GA athletes. It's it's not that you can't do it. It's just that if you're optimizing your performance and you're optimizing your composition to a degree, which is your overall calories, I'm like, don't drop your carbs too low because that's going to negatively impact your performance. And that takes away from everything. So kind of in a nutshell, for someone looking to get leaner, build muscle or put on, you know change their body composition and improve performance that they're fueling for games that's the kind of strategies that i would apply yeah i think that's uh that's brilliant information Brian. um but as you say you know as as detailed as you went into that there it, it is simple too you know if you have a structure in place it's not it's not crazy and i think you know the more you try to shed light on it for people i think and people will message you and say you know what should i eat before this and what should i do but I think sometimes people are disappointed when you tell them the answers because they're so simple and obvious, you know, or it's like recovery, like you were saying there, you know, people say, what should I do for recovery? And you say like, go to bed and eat some good food and, <laughs> and, and drink water. And yeah. you know, they want you to say, I'll oh, jump in the, jump in the cold water and, and do this and do that. But th- these things are quite simple. Like it's just putting them into practice on a weekly basis. And understanding that it's not things in isolation that work. It's the combination of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. that was one of the biggest misconceptions I think I had, very similar to what you just said. When I would ask somebody about, how do I get a six-pack? I'm like, they were going to give me the exercise that got me a six-pack. Or yeah. how do I build muscle? They were going to tell me the supplement I needed to take. Like, it's not about that. It's about all the things you do. So your overall nutrition, your overall training, your sleep and recovery, and then maybe some supplements that might help that and support and enhance that recovery and compounding that like if you want to use the cryotherapy and the ice bath you can but like they're marginal gains in improvement like it's all these other low-hanging fruits and it's not super complicated like that's one of the reasons you know it's why i love that you have the podcast it's one of the reasons for my ga podcast like i literally just created that off the back of trying to go longer form to help more ga players that it was just down to the fact that 
I'm like, this isn't super complicated. A lot of people can do this by yourself. And this is what I tell people. I'm like, look, if you think you can do it by yourself, then do. Like experiment with your food, experiment with your training. Like if you want a complete structured plan and program, yeah, look at my program. Look at working with Oshin. Look at working with other coaches. You know, by all means, you can do that too. But there's nothing to stop you designing all this yourself and testing it and applying it, you know. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the key. It's like know where you fall on that spectrum. Do you want to do it yourself and use the trial and error? Or do you want somebody to kind of give you the entire blueprint so that you can follow it? Because neither are right or wrong. It's just what's best for the individual. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, I'm curious how you how you went from playing GAA to going into uh, like modeling and traveling over. Like, what was what was that transition? It was a so when I was living in London, I used to work. I used to be a primary school teacher. That was my like quote unquote real job. Um, before I went into the fitness industry, yeah. eight years ago now at this stage. But I used to be a teacher. So when I was working full time as a teacher, I was traveling back and forth, and I was playing and. What happened was when I, in 2014, I left my teaching job. I'd been working as a personal trainer in the evenings, working as a teacher during the day and working as a personal trainer in a gym in the evenings. And in 2014, I was like, all right, cool. I, you know, ladder up against the right wall. I'm like, I want to do this fitness thing full time. I love this. I can't believe I get paid for it. I actually don't really like teaching that much, you know, as much as I love the kids all the other stuff I didn't like, the meetings bored me to tears, the lesson plans, like I just felt like ripping out my eyeballs every time I had to do a lesson plan for fractions, like I was yeah. like, no, I'm out of here, where I moved back in 2014, and what happened was when I moved back home in 2014, I was literally starting from scratch, so I had no social media, I had no podcast, I had, nobody knew who I was, the only advantage I had was I had been working for two years as a personal trainer, it was in the evening, so it was part-time, but I was pretty good at my craft. So I moved back in at my mom and dad's mom, mom and dad's house. I My sister gave me her old little t- 2000 Toyota Yaris, one of those like tiny little cars. Yeah. Like, well, it's yeah. every morning. And <laughs> she gave me that car when I came back. And I started personal training out of a gym in Galway City. And I was looking for something to build up a client base. I'm like, look, I need to get more clients in here. I'm like, I'm really good at what I'm doing. So it was steadily growing because I was getting referrals and word of mouth. And then I looked into fitness modeling and bodybuilding. I'm like, okay. I'm like, there's at the time in 2014, I'm like, there's nobody in Galway or no one in the Galway region doing this. I'm like, there's nobody, you know, lots of people are doing it now six years later, but in 2014, yeah. there wasn't. So I'm like, okay, this would differentiate me a little bit. I'm like, I can start prepping for a, a bodybuilding show i could start doing some fitness modeling well they actually came hand in hand because when i did my first show i started getting all these photographers coming to me and they're like oh you're new who are you and i started doing photos and then as a result of that i started doing better in shows and when i started doing better in shows i started getting more jobs and i started documenting that on social media so it was facebook first and then onto instagram and i started getting client leads so i was getting people messaging me to work with me they were like look you know i want to look exactly like you or i want to build muscle or i want to lose body fat it was mostly guys looking to basically look like me that was most of my leads at the time but that was what built my business initially and i used it as a like a, a catalyst or a way to get off the ground and separate myself from others so i, I had to i left ga at the time because it was a case of like, i couldn't do both And I really, really, as much as I loved GA, we'd gone down, we had got relegated the year before, a few of our players had left, some of my best friends had left the team, you know, they were traveling, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a break for the year as well, I'm like, I need to try and get my business off the ground, so I went into the world of fitness modeling and bodybuilding, and my business built as a result of that, and then because I did so well in it, you know, I won a pro card in 2014 November just basically just means that you get paid to compete in shows and I did that and then for the next you know six seven eight months after that I just kept doing shows kept doing photo shoots um, and then obviously in the last few years pivoted out my daughter was born in 2015 I went away from the world of fitness modeling and competitive bodybuilding and now do more ultra endurance stuff Um, but yeah that was the reason why I did it initially and made the jump from GA into bodybuilding and fitness it was 100% a business thing you know I didn't need 
it wasn't any other reason at the time. I was like, it was nice to get the, you know, the props and, and the attention and all the other good stuff that comes with it. Um, but for me, it was, it was 100% a business decision to try and separate myself from the crowd. And it worked. You know, it was, you know, again, like everything, it was look at the draw, right place, right time, doing something that other people weren't. And because of that, it opened up a lot of doors for me. And, you know, I wouldn't change it. You know, it, again, there was bad times and lots of times that I look back on that and I'm like that's not when I was at my happiest by far but it did open a lot, up a lot of doors for me um, but that's basically how I made the transition into from GEA into bodybuilding and fitness modeling yeah it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting story but I kind of say like it's it's very difficult and I don't think maybe you probably don't maybe understand it either it's very difficult to try and launch something like a business or work at it yourself and try and maintain playing Gaelic and um, doing things outside of it because it does just absorb your whole life, doesn't it? Well, you have no control. That's the problem with GA um, and sport in general is you're working to the time that the team is training and you're working to yeah. game times. Whereas in, say, bodybuilding or fitness modeling or even endurance, marathon running, triathlon, etc., like you can get up at 4 a.m. and train. You can get up at 5 a.m. and train. Like yeah. you could, you know, if you really wanted to, whereas like nobody else is getting up to go do a club session at 5 a.m. Like you have yeah. to be there at 7.30, you know? Yeah. Whereas you could be taking clients or running your business at that time. And in a lot of cases, people are. So it can be difficult. Um, and that was one of the reasons that, that I didn't transition back into it, you know, straight away. Like I played a little bit then after as I, when I left that world, just kind of briefly on and off. Um, but it doesn't really map that well to running your own business especially in the beginning because you have more luxury as years go on because you can control your time more but in your first year of business first two years of business it's very very difficult to balance the two definitely and um like what does a what does it sort of day-to-day look like for you so is everything that you're doing pretty much online and through the podcast now or are you doing any work like in, in person um, so my day to day, yeah, 80% of my, everything I do is all online. So with the exception of my talks, so seminars, so I run my rewire your mindset seminar, uh-huh. which is like a personal development mindset seminar that's in person. Um, if I'm doing talks and events, so I'm at like Wellfest this year and a couple of other events. Um, I do corporate talks. I think I'm speaking in a bank at some stage. My PA has my schedule, but I'm, I'm speaking in a bank at some stage, do a corporate talk in the next couple of months. Like with the exception of those things, everything else is online so my two programs my GA and body program and my BKF online program both 100% online based I coach on those programs um, the books I write so the fitness mindset the first book we are your mindset the second book they're all in my own time so I just get up early when I'm in book writing mode and I write mm-hmm. early in the morning the podcast again as we're doing this it's all online um, and with the exception of those speaking commitments that I have everything else is online and I could run my entire business online the stuff I do that is speaking wise is all stuff I love doing, particularly my seminars. I absolutely love meeting people at my mindset seminars because they're people who connect with, particularly my podcast. My, like I've got three podcasts, you know, that I use, but my Brian Keane podcast is like my flagship one. It's the yeah. main one. And that is the, a lot of the people that listen to that come to that seminar and it's just an amazing day. I love it. Um, so I'm in a very fortunate position. Like I live in the West of art, like the West of Galway. Like I am so far out West. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, there's 200 people in my village you know my closest neighbor is a 10 minute walk from me like it's i'm as rural as can be um, and i run my entire business from from my laptop and from my phone um which is amazing like i'm so grateful and you know as someone that would spend hours marking science books at the end of a day i'm yeah. like i get to work from my laptop doing something i love it's it's so awesome um because like that was just a dream and you know 2012 yeah i think it's amazing as well you like I, I probably didn't realize until I started looking more at your page in the past few weeks, like how much stuff you got going on, even in terms of books and seminars. And like, I thought there was maybe one podcast, but there's a few podcasts and you've got a lot of stuff going on. Like it's, um, it is amazing. Like, um, so congrats for that. Like, cause, um, it's on that, you know, I look at them like that's where, that's where I'm trying to get my shit to in the next while. Like, um, it's, uh, it's impressive what you've kind of been able to build that up to. And it will. You'll get there. Like, once you know that that's where you want to go, 
it will move that direction. You know, like in 2014, I put in a lot of those hard, long hours, you know, PT and trying to bring up my personal training business, you know, trying to build up the strength and conditioning side with teams, all of those things. And you tend to reap what you sow, particularly when you run your own business in a lot of cases, you know, provided that you are not making stupid decisions, provided that you are either consuming good information around business or around your craft and improving your skill set or listening to good mentors or going to conferences and seminars where they're helping you like provided you're doing all that like it's only a matter of time Ushin, before you get to the point where you want to be um, like everything I do now and I'll say this hand on heart as someone that was in jobs and have done jobs that I hate there's nothing I do in my business right now that I wouldn't do for free like yeah. it's all stuff like I, it's how I make decisions I'm in that very fortunate position where you know I have a lot of problems in life but money's not one of them thankfully like and I literally just do things I want to do for free like and if I if, I, if it's something I would do for free I'll take payment for a speaking engagement an event I need to go to courses I run programs I run and that's how I make decisions and I think that helps because from personal experience I, I find that you only get tired and run down when you're not really loving what you're doing like I would you you couldn't pay me to do any after school activities because I was wrecked at the end of a school day. Yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. done. I'm going home. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm going watching the chase and going watching Monday Night Football. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out, you know? And Whereas now I could just do things over and over again because it's all stuff I love. And I, that's a lot by design. I don't want anybody to listen you know, yourself included, Oshin, and think that, you know, it's by default. All of it was by, de- by design on getting better at saying no and getting very good at saying yes to things that do push the needle forward in areas that are important. Um, and that goes for everything. I have a super balance. I'm very grateful. You know, I have the contrast of, you know, working as a teacher for crap money and long hours in London doing donkey work and not getting any credit for it. Like, I, I've been in that position, so I know what it's like to hate your job, to not to wonder what you're doing and wondering what's the point and questioning, are you only on this earth to pay bills and die like i've been there and having come out the other side of it it makes me way more grateful for what i do have and i think that helps because that keeps you super grounded and it keeps you super grateful because you have this comparison point like it's like the player that had a you know a terrible injury when they were 16 and now they're flying at age 27 because they remember the six months when they couldn't move they like they remember that time and they end up enjoying the game more because there was like there was a time when i couldn't play and you're using that negative time to have a more benefit present or have a more positive present because you're like yeah that was the contrast point of how i felt in the past and i think that's a very powerful tool for people to have as a resource just to kind of get through anything or to just you know stay grounded and positive in whatever it is they're doing whether it's business or ga or football or personal life or whatever yeah and no, i agree i think that's that's good uh that's motivated me and i um that's uh that's good i think before we finish up because i know you're tight for time I want to just chat a wee bit about this 100-mile race that you ran in Vegas. What what the fuck possessed you to run 100 <laughs> miles in Vegas? Um, so it was one of those things. I went, this, is, this, is, this sounds silly. Like it was on my bucket list to do. So I, in 2018, I ran Marathon de Saab, which is six back-to-back marathons in the Sahara. And in 2019, I ran through the Arctic. So that was 230 kilometers at minus 38 degrees, which is which was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I had on my list a 100-mile ultramarathon. And I remember the first time I heard, because I'm not a fan of running, for just to give complete context, I do it yeah. because it conditions me to be a lot mentally tougher and doing things and conditions me to do things I have to do whether I feel like it or not. But when I first heard about a 100-mile ultramarathon, I was like, my first thought was, nobody can run 100 miles. That was literally like where, where my mind went to instantly. I'm like, no one can run that distance. I'm like, I can barely drive that distance. And then as I started to research it and look into it, I'm like, oh my God, loads of people do 100 miles. I'm like, this is a thing. I'm like, ultramarathon runners literally run 100 miles. And I remember thinking, I wonder if I could run 100 miles. And when I finished the Arctic last year and ran through the Arctic, and that was, as I said, <clears> still <throat> up to this day, the hardest thing I've ever done because I tore my Achilles 86 kilometers from the end I didn't know it at the time. Like it put me out for three months after, but I, 
I'd never experienced pain like that. And when I finished that and kind of got back on track, I'm like, right, I need to train for something. Like, this is something I tell every player. I tell everyone I work with. I'm like, you need to have a goal. Like, yeah. my, I've been training, you know, 18 years. Like, I'm 18, nearly 20 years training, 16 years in the gym, nearly 19 years training, nearly 20 years. God, I'm going to be 33 at the end of this year. And, so, and I started lifting weights when I was 13. And I joined the gym at 16. So I've been training for a long time and I still have to set goals. Otherwise, I can't stay motivated to train. Otherwise, yeah. I can't build the habits into my day to train. And as a result of that, the for me, the next logical step, logical, relative logical step was yeah. I wanted to run a 100-mile race. And I didn't want to sign up. The race I did in Nevada was it's 100 miles, but there was also a 50-mile option. And I was very tempted at the time. I was like, I might do a 50 miler. And I remember thinking, I can run 50 miles. I'm like, if I train, I can run 50 miles. I'm like, but if I train, I'm not sure if I can run 100 miles. I'm like, because 100 miles is a long distance, 160 kilometers. Like you're talking, you know, Belfast to Dublin. Like, you know, it's a long distance to run. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure if I can run 100 miles. So I set that goal. I signed up and said, right, this is the thing I'm going to train for. And like, I would rather, you know, it, it's, it's such a corny cliche, but I'm like, it's the aim for the moon and hit the stairs. Like, I would rather aim for 100 miles and fail than do 50 miles and complete it. That was my kind of philosophy and thought process. So I signed up for the 100 mile. I trained for it. Um, training went so-so. Like, but again... Having What's sort of, what sort of miles were you doing when you were training? Like not a lot. So like not a lot. So on, on my main podcast this coming Monday, I'm not sure when this episode's going out, so it might be out by the time this is released. But on Monday, I recap that hundred mile race, and I put this on my story, and I got a load of messages from ultra runners. The longest run I did was 30 kilometers to prepare for this. So just to give context to that, because that sounds insane, that wasn't the intention. The intention was to build up to uh, build to doing two marathons a week. So on a Monday and a Friday, I had planned to build up to two marathons a week. I never got to that. I got sick at Christmas with that vomiting bug, and that wiped out like my main training period. Like Christmas was supposed to be my, my, the top of my p- training peak. But I got sick, put me out for nearly a month. I just I couldn't train. I could like do five Ks and two Ks, but I couldn't do any more because I just I was that stomach bug killed me. And so thirty kilometers was the longest I'd ran. But having ran through the Arctic, you know, and one of my it was my most downloaded podcast of last year, or it's my second most downloaded podcast was running two hundred thirty kilometers through the Arctic. And having done that especially under the conditions on a torn Achilles because, Oshin, I've never felt, to this day, I've never felt pain like I felt in the Arctic. Like, how, did you, how did you motivate yourself to push through that? Because like, surely it must have been like, fuck this and just leave it. Like, what, what were you saying to yourself to keep you, keep you going? Well, the thing is, it's a, it's a combination because the Arctic, it's a funny one because had I torn my Achilles at any other condition, I'd, I would tap out and be like, all right, cool, I'll live to fight another day. But it was a combination in the Arctic of this is the main goal. So I had been training for a year first, but also with, I'm like, I'm in the fucking Arctic. I'm like, if I tap out and quit, I still have to go find a village and <laughs> find, you know, somebody <laughs> to like get me to a hospital. Yeah. I'm like, I may as well just try and fucking get to the town where we're finishing, you know, over the Arctic Circle line. I can't remember the town now. It had like, you know, 50 vowels and 30 consonants in it. And <laughs> yeah. I, and it was one of those. And, and, and I, I, I didn't know my Achilles was torn. All I known, all I knew was this is excruciating pain. And I, it's probably better that I didn't know. Um, and it wasn't until I got home and they're like, yeah, your Achilles is completely torn. I was like, all right, okay, that makes sense. That's why it was so sore. Um, <laughs> but like, you're in that mode. Like, you're, you're, you're in, it's weird. And I, I'd never experienced it until you put yourself in the position where you're, you're just in full survival mode. Like, that's literally where you're, like, you're in the Arctic. It's minus 38 degrees. Like, there's nothing around. Like, I ran it with one of my friends. He's a detective in Dublin. The two of us did it together. And I, like, there's, there's nobody around. There's just the two of you, and it's just snow. Like, it's, you're, it's like being on the moon. And you're just running and moving, and you're just, you're in survival mode. Like, there's, there's no other two ways around it. So it was literally like every other goal you ever do. It's like you put one foot in the front of the other, and you just keep moving. And I did that for 86 kilometers. Now, I'm grateful that I did, because looking back on it, you're like, Jesus, how did I do that? Or even when I listen back to that podcast, I'm like, it sounds insane, because I recorded that podcast the week I came home. And yeah. it's, a, it's a really hard-hitting podcast, because I've had people 
Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I had a, a girl come up to me at one of my recent Rewire Your Mindset seminars who was going through chemo. And she's like, I just listened to that podcast on repeat. Because what I said on that podcast was like, I'm like, pain is temporary. I'm like, it'll go away. It will get better. I'm like, it will pass. And she was telling me. And I, I was like, and it takes a lot to bring me to like emotional. I, yeah. I was speechless. I was like, fuck, what do I say? She was like, yeah, I was going through chemo and I was just listening to that on repeat. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, those words inspire me more than my podcast would ever inspire you. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm listening to her going, Jesus, this is way worse. I'm like, what you're going through. And she's like, yeah, I had to just keep reminding myself. What I focus on is what expands. Pain is temporary. It'll pass. It'll go away. You can get through this. You can be stronger. Like, that was my internal dialogue in the Arctic. And then she was repeating back word for word. Like, I was literally, I remember that because people queue up to talk to me at the end of seminars. And I literally had to take like a two-minute rest after talking to her before I could talk to the next people. I'm like, I, I need to gather myself. I was like, I, was I just didn't know what to say. It was just one of those, like she was in tears. I was like in tears, like trying not, there was fucking 150 people in the room. I was like trying not to like break down. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, what do you even say to that? Yeah. You know, and, th and that's, that, that was my mindset. And that alone, that alone, like it's weird because you can think about it and you can philosophize and all these other things. And you're like, if that's all that coming through the Arctic was meant to do was for somebody else to listen to that when they were going through a shit time and draw their current circumstance and use the words I had told myself in the Arctic to get through that particular moment in time. I'm like, then it was totally fucking worth it. Like, you don't yeah. think of that, about that at the time, but on reflection, you do. Um, so, yeah, that's where my mind was at. And then coming through the 100 miler, like, it, you know, it was just uh, just keep doing it. Like, at some stage, this 100 miles will be over and you'll be done. You know, you had 31 hours to do it. I did it in 26 and a half. I ended up like, it was a race. So I ended up coming in the top 10. I have no idea how. I just kept the same pace all the way through. And I ended up finishing it. So I ended up getting through it. But again, the Arctic is what seeded that. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, it could have been 200 miles. Oshin and I would have got through it. Like, it was one of those that you, you build this resiliency from doing things that make you uncomfortable. I think, you know, post-traumatic uh, growth is what they call it. A lot of athletes get it when they get injured, where they come back mentally tougher having been on the back of an injury. And it's just the equivalent of that. Um, but yeah, that's a kind of a long, a, a long story made long on our short story <laughs> made long, complete reverse um, on the 100-miler. That's, uh, that's crazy. Have you any other races or any other big goals over the next while then you're aiming for? Or, or yeah, what's so, next in the... Yeah, I'm, I'm running in the Himalayas in November. So I'm running um, at, at the bottom of the Himalayas up to Everest Base Camp, um, which is 170 kilometers. It's at altitude. So I've never ran at altitude before. So that's the next thing on the list. I might, as of now... I'm probably going to do an Ironman triathlon in between um, just to kind of keep my conditioning for the Himalayas because I know that kind of volume and endurance even in the pool and on the bike and running will, will help me and condition me for the Himalayas. So they're the next two things on the list. Um, the Himalayas is already done and dusted. That will be in November. I'm literally doing it with the guy I ran through the Sahara and the Arctic uh -huh. with um, and then probably an Ironman in between now and then. Are you just kind of like Googling the worst races in the world? That like, that's is Galway not doing it running-wise anymore for literally you? Literally what I did. <laughs> I just Googled the world's hardest races and, and was like, yeah, that one's feasible now, you know. Um, and uh, that's that's literally how I found Marathon de Saab, the first one. And that's, you know, or I heard about it from a friend and then Googled it and found it from that and found the Arctic after. Um, and yeah, that's, that's you know, not even joking. That's literally just what I did. I Googled it and was like, oh, that one could work. I'm free in November. I could do that. Um and, uh, and yeah, and then I documented it on podcasts and online, so it kind of gives me kind of cool content as well. Um, so provided I don't die, it makes for pretty good content. It's a win-win. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, Brian, I'll let you get away because I know you're you've uh, you've got another podcast to after this. For people that maybe want to listen to that podcast or find out any more about yourself, where where can we look? Um, so the Brian Keen podcast is my main one uh, Brian underscore Keen underscore fitness on Instagram and if you're a GA player go check out my GA podcast so just the Lean Body podcast it used to be the GA Lean Body podcast but we had to drop the GA from the title um, long story <laughs> but it's are, now are the you, Lean Body podcast this is possibly going to happen me in the future yeah, yeah it's all ahead yeah like it's all ahead yeah I but think. now it is the Lean Body podcast but if you put my name just Brian Keen into the podcast it'll bring up my three podcasts one's business one is GA and one is my flagship fitness and health one um, and yeah that's probably if you're listening to this podcast and you like podcasts um, then yeah go check those out and see if you enjoy them cool I think we could probably sit and chat here for another hour handy enough but um, I'll let you go away but uh, Brian thanks appreciate you giving up your time pleasure is all mine Oshin thank you so much for having me on this is absolutely awesome
No problem. Speak soon. Bye.